This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning. My name is Ron, and I'm going to be uh, our teaching pastor for the morning. And uh, as I was praying back through the requests that you turned in on your Connect cards last week, there's some things that God brought to my mind as I was working through my 10 days of Thanksgiving and I want to share those with you briefly at the beginning. But I have one other thing to say. When you're filling out your Connect card, please don't forget to put your name on your Connect card. Because I was praying for one person this week, and they had a very serious prayer request about somebody they really wanted to help, didn't know how to help them, wanted some help in learning how to do that, but there was no name, no contact information. And uh, so I really wasn't able to help them. So if you've neglected to do that or just whatever, make sure you get your name on there. Now, first thing I was thankful for was eight people that last Sunday took a huge step forward in connecting with Jesus and were baptized. Was that fun or what? That was awesome. I reflected a little further. 216 turkeys at our turkey party last week. I got out my little calculator. That's more than a ton and a half of turkeys. That's going to make a lot of people happy this Thanksgiving that otherwise would go hungry. And you know the interesting thing about that? Most of those are going to go to people that you and I don't know. Virtually all of them will. But we care anyway. I reflected back a little bit more and, and I realized that when you gathered here on, to do Family Fest, and I said something about that last week, but I didn't give you a number. More than 800 people came to Family Fest and were touched by what we did as a church. And those are things, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know something? I'm really glad that you are my church. And I don't mean that in the way that a pastor would say, this is my church, that's your church. I don't mean it in that way at all. If I were not a pastor and I just lived in this town, I would want you to be my church. And in that sense, I'm grateful and thankful. So when I was making out my list, you were right at the top. You were in day two, number one in day two. So thank you for being my church. I really enjoy getting to be your pastor. Now, this morning, we're working through what Justin has already talked about, and that is this teaching series on New Testament challenge. And for those of you who are brand new, there are over 300 of us adults who voluntarily are working our way through the New Testament, which is the latter part of the Bible. And we're doing that in about 12 weeks. And during that time, we're teaching on the major themes that come out of the New Testament. And this morning, we're going to talk about a theme that's on virtually every page of the New Testament. I believe it's one of the themes that is closest to God's heart because it's the thing that actually uh, manifests or reveals to our world whether we're following the commands of Jesus or not. Whether we're just sort of coming and nodding our heads and going out and doing whatever we want or whether we're actually listening and going out and putting it into practice. And that theme is the theme of unity. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about unity in the context of the church. But every time I talk about unity in the context of the church, I want you to hear the truth that I'm teaching you, not only in the context of the church, 
But the seven principles of unity that I'm going to give you a little bit later on will work in your home. And as you embrace them in your home, you will have unity in your home. And to whatever degree you do not embrace them in your home, you will have, you will have discord and you will have disharmony and, and, and your home will be disruptive. They also work if you tote them down to where you're employed and, employ, and use them in your work group. Because with whatever group of people you're working with, if you practice these seven principles of unity, then you will have a cohesiveness and a togetherness and and a sense of being part of a team that will make it a fun place to be. And to whatever degree you or the other people that you work with discard these and decide to do whatever you feel like doing, you will have disruption disruption, and, and, and it just will not be a fun place. So there's broad application in this. And so let's jump right in, because it's on virtually every page. I I just lifted three scriptures to begin with. Take a look. The first is in the book of John. It comes straight out of the teaching of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said as he prayed for you and me, by the way, on the night that he was going to be betrayed, which was the night before he was crucified. So it's the most important thing on Jesus' mind. Here's what he said. May they, that's you and me, experience such Perfect unity. Could you underline perfect unity? Does that sound like something that's so far out there it's unattainable? Well, Jesus wouldn't have prayed for it if it wasn't something we could experience. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt that one of Jesus' greatest desires for you and me is that we would experience unity. And know the joy that comes from that. One book later, in the book of Acts, the historian Luke was recording um, what was happening in the very first church. This was just a few weeks after Jesus' prayer. Here's what Luke wrote about the church. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They got it. Christ's prayer was being answered in their lives. All of them were joined together in heart and mind. And one book later in the book of Romans, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and this is his prayer for them. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity. And I'd like for you to circle that phrase or underline it, spirit of unity, because this is not something that you can just sort of quantify and do lockstep. It comes from a spirit or, or an overall condition of the heart, a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. So those are three introductory scriptures, but I want to point us to one more because it will teach us sort of the first truth before we get into the seven principles of unity. Paul writes to the, to the church in Ephesus and he says, make every effort, and that's what I want you to underline, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Now it's inferred in that passage that when we have unity in our home or unity in the workplace or unity in the church, it's inferred that that unity is going to get tested. That's why it's going to take a make every effort sort of deal. Because there are times when you and I are going to be tempted to do the opposite of what would bring unity. And there are times we can look into our lives when we have done exactly that. And the interesting thing about doing something that tears up unity is it feels really good at the time and really bad later. Okay? It feels a little bit like what some of us are going to do on Thanksgiving Day. 
We're going to eat way too much turkey and pumpkin pie and all that stuff. And it's going to feel really good at the time. And then what? It's going to feel like we swallowed a bowling ball. Yeah. Because the truth is, when God calls us to unity, it's going to require us of us some things that in the moment are not easy to do. But if we will do them in the long run, they will pay huge dividends in our lives. So that's what I want to teach us about this morning. And so we're going to go to a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it. It's a lengthy passage of Scripture. And in it, the, the Apostle Paul points us to the human body and uses it as an example. He says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And by the way, this is not the body of Christ that hung on the cross. This is the body of Christ called the church. For in the Bible, the church is called the body of Christ. So it is in the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body By one spirit. By the way, the people that we baptized last week, did you know that baptism is a symbol of our unity in Christ? That's why when you come into this church, if you have not been baptized as a believing adult, we invite you and encourage you and instruct you to be baptized as a believing adult because it's a symbol of our unity. It's something that we share together and it was Christ's desire that all of us would share that together. We could look at each other and say, remember the day you were baptized? I remember the day that I was baptized. It's what we have in common. He goes on to say, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Every time I read that, I'm remembered of a pastor friend of mine who was approximating this to his congregation, and it came out in this form. If the whole body were a foot, how would it smell? (laughs) That's exactly what happened in his congregation, and someone offered probably stinky. Okay? He goes on to say this, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Would you circle that? God has put each part just where He wants it. You are here this morning, yes, because you chose to come here, but you are also here, I believe, because God wanted you here this morning. And if you're part of this church, you are here because God has placed you here because He has something He wants to accomplish in your life, and more than likely, He has something He wants to accomplish in this church through your life. He goes on to explain... How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts 
that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require such special care. And obviously, I don't have time to go in and break this all out, uh, but we're going to nevertheless call out seven principles. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for a harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. You can underline that too. All the members care for each other. It's one of the basic premises of unity. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are what? Christ's body. And each of you is what? A part of it. So what can we learn from this? Well, first of all, we're going to do seven different things. So I want you to pull out that puzzle piece because that's going to be really instrumental in what we're going to learn today. And you're going to have to get it out because I'm going to ask you to do some things with it. So everybody got your puzzle piece? All right, here we go. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to look carefully at your puzzle piece. Because as you look carefully at your puzzle piece, one of the things that you're going to notice is that no one's puzzle piece has a whole picture on it. You have only a part of the picture. There is no puzzle piece that has the complete picture. Why? Because the principle is we cannot properly function by ourselves. And in that passage we just read, if the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? And if it were the whole body were an ear, how could it smell anything? The, the whole point is... None of us functions properly by ourselves. We were made to be in this wonderful relationship together. Now, by the way, some of you are already thinking, well, the word picture up there is a human body and you're hauling out a puzzle. What's the deal? I seriously considered handing out body parts. I didn't think that would work really well. Okay, so we're doing the puzzle. The principles are the same. And in the same way that a body part cannot work by itself, a piece of a puzzle is pretty useless when it's all by itself, which is why God calls us into a community of faith. And when people say to me, Pastor, I'm just a Christian at large. I go, I go, when I go fishing, I feel closer to God than any other time. Great, go fish, but come be part of the church too. Because when you're out there all by yourself, You're not blessing anybody else. You're not coming into a place of unity. You're not finding the place of service that God has for you in His kingdom. And in the end, you're not doing anything to move the kingdom of God forward in its mission. God has called us to be part. So no piece of the puzzle has the whole picture on it. It finds its value by being part of the whole. Now, Take, your, take the piece of your puzzle, look at it carefully, and then I want you to look at the pieces of, of, of your neighbors and ask yourself this question, is my piece of the puzzle the same shape as anybody else's around me? And you're going to find out, no, it may have the same general shape, but if you went to put it into the puzzle, no two pieces would go exactly into the same place in the puzzle. Why? Very simply this. Because unity, real unity, is always found in the context of diversity. Now, never confuse unity with uniformity. 
Those are two entirely different things. It was never God's intent that all Christians would behave exactly alike, that all Christians would like the same things, that all Christians would, would, would behave exactly the same way, that they would all value the very same things. No, God doesn't make Christians or people cookie cutters. No, no. Every one of us is unique. And that's what makes our unity so wonderful, but it's also what challenges us in our unity, doesn't it? Yeah, because as soon as you think, man, I love this, this is how the whole church should be, then somebody comes along and goes, man, I don't like that at all. In fact, I shouldn't tell you, yeah, I'll tell you this. I have a little candy dish up in my office. So if you want some candy, you can come up to my office. And over the weekend, I bought a package of Mounds, little miniature Mounds candy bars. Right? I'm, I'm getting ready to take them to the, to the office. And my wife says, you have to go look up so-and-so in the church today and take a Mounds candy bar to him. I'm going, Wow. Why? I mean, I'd be happy to do that. She goes, because he hates them. <laughs> and she wanted me to play, a, you know, just a gag. You know, just as soon as you found, man, everybody will like, I mean, who wouldn't like chocolate and coconut? Somebody who doesn't like chocolate or coconut. Just that simple. Unity is not found in all of us liking the same things or even always agreeing together. What makes unity unity is the fact that even though we don't like all the same things and we don't always agree, we are together. Does that make sense? That's really important. We're going to come back to that at the very end. So now here's the third thing I want you to do. Take out your puzzle piece, and and if your neighbor will oblige, see if you can connect properly your puzzle piece to your neighbor's. You know, it's highly unlikely that your piece is actually going to connect with your neighbor's piece because we jumbled them all up before we distributed them, right? So what principle would that illustrate? Take a look at the board. We don't connect well with all people. Just like your piece might not connect well with the person that you're sitting next to, it's highly unlikely that you would walk into a church that has several hundred people in it and you just automatically connect with everybody. I know this is going to come as a shock to you, but pastors are not just incapably or inseparably drawn to every single person who comes to church. I love every one of you. But some of you look at me and go, I love to be taught by you, but I don't think I'd really want to be your friend. I'm okay with that. Okay? Because we can't all be everybody's best friend. But you know, even though your peace might not have fit or connected with somebody right next to you, you know that if you made your way around the auditorium and all the pieces of the puzzle were distributed here, that your piece would connect with four or five or six. Because everybody's piece connects with a handful. And that's just exactly the way that God has made the church. It's one of the great principles of unity, and that is we all need each other, but we're not all closely connected to each other. And that's okay. Now look at your piece again. You will notice that your piece is not an edge piece. 
We took all the edge pieces out. Oh, Charlie is an exception, all right? It's a border. Oh, Charlie, you got to trade your piece in, all right? Because it was our intent that no one would get a border piece. You know why? Here's the principle. Unity takes place at the heart of our church, not on the edges. You know, the pieces in the center of the puzzle connect to a lot more pieces than the border pieces. And oftentimes, people will say to me, Pastor, uh, you know, um, I, I'm just really having a tough time growing spiritually. And I say, are you in a life group? Uh, no, I don't really get in life group stuff. Have you ever been in one? No, not really. Are you in a ministry? No, no, no service is not my thing. Okay? Well, did, did, did you go to poker for presents last night? By the way, that was a great time. Not last night, Friday night. 85 people in here having fun, raising money for a couple of, of needy families that are going to be adopted by the money they raised in this holiday season. But did you? No, no, I, I don't, I'm not really into special events. You know, when you stay on the fringe of the church, you'll never experience real unity. Does that make sense? It was never God's intent, by the way, that there would be any border pieces on the puzzle of His church. You know why? Because if you have a border, there's no room for anybody else, correct? How can anybody get in? So no matter what piece you are, you're not a border piece because there's always somebody that needs to plug into you. So you have no finished edge. That's the way God intended. So His kingdom would be ever-growing, ever-increasing. There's always room for people to come and attach. Principle number five. Okay? Just think about this for a minute. When you visualize in your mind, when you're getting ready to put together a puzzle, and I told you the puzzle that, that I put together for this morning. No, I didn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this now. It had 500 pieces in it. So when I got ready to put it together. I, I got a table where I'm going to assemble it, and then I got a table over here for all the extra pieces. And I dumped out the pieces. Can you imagine how long and tedious and unfulfilling it would be if you dumped out all the pieces, you just randomly picked one, and then you just start saying, I wonder what matches this one. It would, you would give up on that puzzle before you ever got it together. Why? Because what do you do? You dump all the pieces out, what's the first thing you identify? All the border pieces, right? Why? They're the easiest. Right? And they define where you're going to be. And then you separate them into different uh, section groups. These are all that kind of go up here in this section. These, are, I think, are going to go over here. Because it takes strategy and organization to, to transform chaos into unity. Did you know the same thing is true in the church? It's why the staff members and the key volunteers in this church work so hard behind the scenes to provide an environment where you and I can find our place in God's kingdom. It takes all that strategy and organization. Now, the sixth principle, I'm going to illustrate with this, which I did just for this sermon illustration. And what's the first thing you notice about it? Can you see it close enough? Well, oh, there's a glare. Well, there are seven missing pieces right here. Would you notice that if you were close? Of course you would. If you've ever seen 
uh, a puzzle that was missing some pieces, the first thing you notice if it's missing even one piece is it only takes one missing piece to spoil the beauty of the whole puzzle. Isn't that true? Just one. But when it's all there, it's great. So we're going to add those because the principle of unity is this. It takes all of us to complete our church. There we go. Now you should be able to see it up on the screen, I think. And my favorite piece of the puzzle... You got it, the last one, right? It's all done. What does that teach us? It's my favorite principle of unity. Are you ready? Look on the video screens. Here it is. And that is number seven. When we all come together and we stay together, we are what? We are beautiful. Let me read a passage of Scripture, and then I'll get to the application points. The passage of Scripture is one that we read this last week in our New Testament challenge, and it just perfectly encapsulates who we are. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know what the Apostle's doing? He's laying out a formula for unity, isn't he? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And then he gives us a reminder. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together. There's that unity concept in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. That was a passage we actually read last Sunday. Here. Let the message of Christ, about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives. This is why we get together and sing. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So how are we going to do that? Let me give you three things to work on as we bring this to a close. And the first is, I will move away from the edge of our church and get into its mainstream. That means the next time that we have an entry point uh, class, which teaches you how to become a partner in the church, instead of saying, ah, no, you'll say, that's my way to get in, off the edge and in, into the mainstream of the church. This coming January, when we work on Enrolling in life groups, that's your opportunity to get off the edge and get into a life group and start building some friendship. Take your piece of the puzzle and see if it doesn't connect with somebody else in that life group and begin shopping your piece of the puzzle around till you find people that you connect with. I got to tell you one story that just came across my desk. About 10 years ago, um, Sunday morning we were saying that there's an organization in our town called COTS, and they help the disadvantaged and those who are really struggling. And they needed some help on Saturday morning for people to come and to take food that had been donated and put it into different boxes. And then 
for somebody to take those boxes or several somebodies to take those boxes and distribute them across the, the face of our community to these people who were in need. And there were two couples from our church uh, that didn't know each other uh, and they didn't make the decision together. They just individually decided to show up on that Saturday morning and they did. And... Um, so when the crowd of volunteers gathered, they were looking over the crowd, and they didn't know anybody, and, let, and yet their eyes landed on each other, and they thought, I think maybe I've seen them at church. They were both relatively new to new life. And so one of them was brave enough to go to the other one and say, do you go to new life? Yeah, we just started going to new life. Well, so did we. You want to work together this morning? And so they did. You fast forward about 10 years. And those two couples are best of friends today. They have gone on vacation together. They have literally traveled the world together. Where did it begin? They just took their puzzle piece down to cots, say, God, can you use me here? And God said, yes, I can not only use you here, I have a surprise waiting for you. I have a best friend waiting for you. I will move away from the edge of my church and get into its mainstream. Number two, I will embrace the diversity in our church. Not just the diversity of male and female and old and young and all the rest, but I, will, I won't just tolerate the diversity in our church. I will what? Embrace the diversity of our church, even when it tests my patience a little bit. Okay? And then last of all, I will protect the unity of my church. You know, I'm, I, you know one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be able to deliver this message today because as a pastor, I don't know of any disharmony going on in our church today. That's a great thing, isn't it? So I'm not up here trying to correct a problem. That's a great thing. I'm just up here delivering a wonderful thing. Well, it's better to protect it than to have to rebuild it. How do we protect it? By the way, works in the church, works in your home. Same way. The chief thing that breaks up unity in every context is gossip. Okay? What's the chief thing that breaks up unity in every context? What is it? Gossip. You know what most of us think? Thank God I don't talk like that. I want to challenge you just a little bit because probably more of us participate in that than we would like to admit. But in order for someone to gossip, someone has to be willing to listen. Okay? No one gossips to a telephone pole because it won't listen. And one of the best ways that you and I can protect the unity of our church, of our family, or even at the workplace. By the way, what is gossip? When you talk negative about someone or something that they have done to another person. That's not hard to grasp, is it? Okay? So when someone comes and says, did you hear about? Even if they come and say, would you pray with me about? I have a prayer request for you. And it's just negative news. Okay? No matter how they contextualize it, Kindly interrupt them and say, you know, this is not a conversation that you and I should be having. Okay? 
Now here's what you, I want to encourage you to do. I want you to go and talk to that person. And if you're scared to do that, I'll go with you. Okay, I'll partner with you in this. But what I won't do is sit and listen to you complain about them. And you know, when that happens, the unity of your family, of your workplace, or of the church will be protected. And that's what God calls us to be, very careful listeners. And knowing what to listen to is as important as knowing how to listen. Okay? Now I want to pray for us as a church, for our families. Father, thank you so much for the principles you've taught us this morning. As we take this silly little puzzle piece with us today, Lord, would you use it to remind us of how important our place is in your kingdom and everybody else's place and how we can rightly relate to those around us and how we can move away from the edge and into the heart of what you're doing and, and, and that how that if even one of us is missing, that we're missing a whole dimension of the church. But how that when we all are here, and we stay together. How beautiful you make us. God, would you help this to be a great week of building and protecting unity. I pray in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.